Good morning. Welcome to The Real and the Gritty with Belle and Danielle. We are live with Ben Mack, who is such an incredible uh, person in the industry. He is really passionate about strength and conditioning. He's been in the industry for about 10 years and he works primarily with Gen Pop, but he has great experience in powerlifting. He competes himself and he is just someone to go get education from and go and speak to about your own training. He is just incredible. So we're really excited to chat to him today. Welcome, Ben. Thank you for having me. Welcome, Ben. So do you have your own education courses as well, Ben? I do. Um, So I think it was towards the end of 2018. um, I kind of got peer pressured into it almost. Like I, you know, would sort of catch up with a few guys and we'd train a few times a week and they'd sort of ask questions and it was just one of those things I kind of always had a bit of an answer for them. Um, and they were like, well, dude, like, why don't you just run your own courses? Like, you clearly know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. And then I was like, oh, I guess it's always that thing when you step into a new arena, it's always a bit scary. Um, so the first, I think it was like two or three courses I ran, I actually did them for free. Um, just to sort of gauge what the perception would be. And it's kind of just developed um, sort of over that time. And then I obviously ran my first one after a fairly long hiatus because of uh, the the, uh, the beard that may not be named. Um, <laughs> and then yeah. kind of ran it and it was like, uh, like, I got really good feedback from it, but I just, I didn't feel like it was as good as I thought it should have been, um, which kind of then led me to go through the process of going through now of completely rewriting the course. And as I'm sort of rewriting the course, it's turning into another course and then that's becoming another course. So there should hopefully be uh, two or three courses that I'll be running sort of by the end of the year. Amazing. Which is so what exciting. They, um, on? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's awesome. Sorry. What are they on? What are the courses involved? Um, so to sort of give an explanation in like a nutshell, it's strength training for non-competition clients. Um, so yeah. as you sort of mentioned in the intro, like I work primarily with general population clients. Um, and it's just more so how I approach training for them, given that they don't necessarily have to hit competition standards for their lifts. But it gives yeah. you a little bit more like specificity in your training and you can see growth and progress. Yeah. Like, you know, again, like coming from a, a powerlifting background, like, you know, for me to sort of gauge whether someone's getting stronger, it's like, well, are we, are we getting more, more weight on the bar? Are we seeing improvement in technique? Are we seeing more efficiency? Like there's a lot of aspects that we can sort of have a look, but obviously, you know, most of our gem pop guys may not understand the, uh, sort of intricacies around the difference in technique and they'll just be like, oh, well, I've got more weight on the bar. I'm, I'm happy with it. Um, so it's a really nice way for me to be able to go, okay, well, you're not competing in a, a powerlifting competition. You've got funky leverages and shitty mobility. Like mm-hmm. I can do a trap by deadlift and get the objective that I need from you. Correct. Yeah. So let's rewind just a little bit and tell us a little bit about you and how you got in this industry. Where did it all start? Um, so I actually, I had a really bad back injury, oh, like 18 years ago where I was actually paralyzed from the waist down for a couple of hours. Um, 
and then so sort of that happened when I was like 12 or 13 um sort of continued playing sport all throughout high school it was a bit iffy got into landscaping after I finished school and that just had me in agony all the time um you know if I trained in the gym I deadlifted I couldn't couldn't really move properly for about two weeks after that and I was like yeah something's not right here um Mm. And then sort of made the decision to, to change from landscaping to personal training. Um, went and got some, some help from a coach up in Sydney um, and rehab my back pretty pretty well sort of with some of the stuff he gave me. And then, yeah, that's sort of, sort of how I got to where I am now. How did you do your back? Playing basketball, of all things. Really? Getting yeah. knocked over? Yeah, so like, I don't know if you know much about basketball, but I took a charge um, yeah. and pretty much got knocked to the ground so awkwardly. I, I landed on my pelvis and coccyx and, yeah, like sort of hit the ground and just didn't really get back up. Uh, it wasn't until they'd sort of gone down the other end of the court, we'd scored down there and then they sort of came back down the other end where I still was and realised that I wasn't, wasn't moving. Um, so they sort of obviously everyone sort of rushed over. Um, mind you, this is also up in Alice Springs um, at a national championship, so it was a bit of a bit of an unfamiliar territory as well. Um, oh. But they've all sort of like rushed over. They're like, like "Come on, get up on my do." I'm like, "I'm like, I can't. I, I can't feel my legs. Like, I can't move." Um, so they got the ambulance in. They stretched me up. They took me to hospital. X-rayed my back because they thought I'd broke my back. Hadn't, thankfully. Um, and it took a couple of hours before I sort of got any movement back into my toes. And then as feelings sort of started to come back, then they released me and let me go back to the hotel. That's scary. And mentally, mentally as a teenager, because you said you were 12, 13, how did that affect you for the next few years? Because obviously you were an active person. I mean, for the most part, I kind of just went back to life. I think like, you know, being that young was almost a blessing in disguise and being quite resilient. Um, like I went back to playing sport and just sort of doing what I could. Um, the first time I went to go take a charge at basketball after it happened, it was pretty scary. But I landed, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that was fine. You know, I sort of kept playing basketball for probably five years after that. And there wasn't really any times when I was scared to take a hit. Um, yeah. which ironically with it being a, a non-contact sport. Um, but, I mean, between that and competing high-level track and field as well, like there were a number of injuries I sort of racked up over the years, but it was never the back that really gave me a huge amount of grief until I started like sort of weight training and, and sort of getting into landscaping. Mm. Nice. And I guess obviously coming from that position yourself, being in pain and being limited in your movement, it gives you a lot of empathy for maybe clients coming to you with limited mobility, pain, um, struggles Mm -hmm. in their daily living. So I guess your way of coaching can sometimes dive a little deeper and help them maybe get further in life and in their training than they thought they could. 100%. Like I find the sort of in terms of like the clients I tend to attract like yes I will 
attract people who are like, hey, I, I want to get stronger, like I need you to help me. But then I'll also get people who are like, hey, I'm in pain. I need help to like get away from here. So mm-hmm. the amount of times I've someone will come in and be like, oh, I can't do that, I've got a bad back. I'm like, it's okay. I'm like, I understand. Like, no, 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 you don't. I'm like, um, like I, I might understand more than what you actually know. Um, honestly, half the time, what I've been, obviously there are 100% situations where people have legitimate pain and it's, you know, it's it's very serious. But for most of the time, I think it's more more fear that sort of holds people back than anything. Yeah. what's that sorry can be it can be inflicted by the doctors as well because there's that crossover sometimes where the doctor says you can't do this anymore and a lot of the time they can it's just getting past that fear and moving again whereas when they get told it to stop moving I think the pain and the fear can get a lot worse and that's where a key problem arises with a lot of gen pop clients yeah, like I find a lot of gem pop clients will have a niggle or some pain from not not even like gym related and they'll go into their GP and they'll go and they're like, oh, like my, my shoulder hurts. And the doc will be like, well, you know, obviously preface that by saying not every doctor, but no. unfortunately, no. you know, there's still enough doctors that will still say this. Like they'll be like, oh, you know, I, I lift weights and the doctor's like, oh, we'll just stop doing that and we'll stop hurting. Like it makes sense, but it's not actually addressing the, the issue that the person is having. Mm. so then little old me who comes in as a as a personal trainer as a strength coach whatever someone wants to refer to me as and i'm like oh that's actually not true like we can we can certainly Mm. improve on that and sort of get you doing the stuff that you want to be doing without pain they go well i've got a doctor telling me that i can't or i shouldn't and then to try and have that that level of buy-in is quite handy to to have sort of the experience that i do with injuries and and pain and all that sort of stuff but I can then go, well, from personal experience and from a lot of professional experience, um, I can tell you that it is very much possible. Yeah. Amazing. Love that. So if someone came to you and they hadn't ever done strength training before, or maybe even let's dive into what is strength training for someone that actually doesn't know, uh, what would really you say? Really simply put, it's, just, it's lifting weights. Like it's nothing flash. Um the thing that in terms of like if I because I quite often have a lot of people that will come to me and be like, well, I've never been to a gym before. I've never lifted weights before. Like how do mm-hmm. I start? Literally like any skill that you try and learn, you just start. Like there's no, you know, obviously like I'm not going to be going and saying, hey, let's go do a one RM deadlift in your first session because you've never lifted weights before. But in terms of, again, like the clientele that I work with, like I like to base a lot of my training around squats, bench and deadlifts. Um, so quite often I'll be like, well, let's start there. Like, let's see what your skill level is like. Like I get some people that will come in and have a really natural talent for being able to lift weights. And it's like, okay, cool. Like we can just start. I get some people who come in and you can tell that they've never lifted a weight. You can tell they've never played sport and you can tell their coordination is extremely low. Uh, they're generally the people that will take a little bit longer to sort of to build that foundation with but it's also one of the things where like they're probably the people that need it the most um so sort of like stripping everything back and teaching them the basics of like cool like this is how you hold a stable scapula mm-hmm. mm. muscle mind connection as well because of, yeah. yeah takes a 100%. while 
And I think as we get older, sometimes there is this fear of being new at something again or things taking a while for us to get good at them again. But as kids, we kind of just jumped into things and gave them a go and then kept giving them a go. Mm. It wasn't like we just turned around and did that one time and was like, I'm not very good at that. I'm going to do something different. And I think that's where there's this gap or lagging as we get older and we maybe need to transition from a sport into more of a strength training, conditioning training. Um, What would you say to clients Um, in terms of maybe who have a little bit of fear or have that expectation that they just want to go in there and kind of be confident and be good? Um, I sort of, I, like, I always like to ask a little bit of of like some questions around the client. Like, you know, I'll ask me, do you play an instrument or like, is there another, like, is there something else you do that has taken a while to develop a a skill for? And thankfully, like I'll have clients that come in like, oh, well, yeah, like I speak a second language or like I, I play an instrument. I'm like, amazing. I'm like, how good were you at playing an instrument when you first picked it up? And they're like, oh, it's crap. I'm like, exactly. I'm like, it's okay to be shit at something when you first start. Um, but I think the one of the big challenges that I face with a lot of my clients is they they play the comparison game. They have a look at these people who, you know, mm. post online and be like, oh, well, like these are the numbers I'm hitting. This is the body weight I'm hitting. And they go, well, we weigh the same. Why is this person lifting 100 kilos more than what I am? And I'm like... And I'm like, guys, I'm like, I hate to break it to you, but I'm like, powerlifting isn't exactly the uh, the sport that doesn't involve drugs. Like, I'm not saying everybody is on drugs. Like, there are a lot of strong people out there who are drug-free. But, mm. you know, there's also a lot of people out there who do take performing enhancing drugs. Um, personally, like, if someone wants to do that, amazing, as long as you're doing it in a federation that allows for it. Um but I think people as well just expect like, you know, they will just pick up a barbell and be incredibly proficient. And it's just not the case. It's a skill like anything else. But, you know, I think in this day and age with everything being so accessible, like, you know, you jump on your phone, you can order your food, bang, so you find all within 20 minutes. You can, you know, jump on your phone and order something else and bang, it's in your door in a day. Like, People are so mm. used to having everything like so accessible to them right now immediately that they forget there are things out there that just you, you can only experience and improve the skill. You can't buy that expertise. Mm. Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> Even like being a coach and knowing <clears throat> and being training for like 15 years, etc. I still look at my deadlift or squat or bench all the time and look at it and be like, oh my gosh, Danielle, you've got a lot to improve on. But like, take it for a grain of salt. It's okay. I mean, it's, I feel like that's the fun in the movement. But honestly, it doesn't matter what level you get to, that's still the same. You look at anyone in powerlifting, like for me, like I sit there and I go, my all time goal is a 300 kilo squat and a 300 kilo deadlift. But -hmm. guess what? When I hit those numbers, it's going to be, oh, I want a 317-kilo squat and deadlift. Yeah. That's a nice round, 700 pounds. Um, so, like, it, regardless of, like, you know, someone will come in and be like, oh, I want to squat 60 kilos. It's one blue fader side. It looks really, really pretty. And then they achieve that. And, like, amazing. Now I want to squat 80 kilos or now I want to squat 100. And it's always, that, like, you achieve a goal, you set a new goal. You achieve that goal, you set another one. And it's always, that, like, it just never, it doesn't end. Yes. So, like, even when you look at, like, your lifting technique on your deadlift and your squat, like, whether it's someone who's a 100-kilo deadlift or someone who's a 250-kilo deadlift, like, 
they're still going to be going, how can I make my technique better to make them better at this move? Mm. And then there's other people that may not necessarily have those goals and want to be strong for them and just be able to be strong for life and continue being able to move and yeah. Like I've got, uh, so my oldest client, he's 70 years old and he is like, he's just a really inspiring person to work with. Like he's more active from like a physical perspective than most of the people our age. Um, You know, he's still heavily involved in running a number of businesses. He's still really, really involved in life and, like Frank, like it really shows in his physicality. Um, but when he first started with me, he's like, oh, I've got a bung shoulder, can't bench press. Like he, you know, he trains with another trainer doing like some CrossFit stuff. And he's like, oh, I can't do wall balls. I can't do like, there's a heap of upper body stuff that's really limited. He's like, so Chris, like, I want to come to you for a lot of the rehab stuff. And I was like, you know, well, how long has it been since like you've been able to bench press or do any of that upper body stuff like pain? And he goes, oh, like, somewhere between sort of like eight and 12 years. I was like, oh, okay. So it's like, this is like a fairly like long-term injury that you've had. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, like what have you done for in the past? He goes, oh, I've done this, I've done that. Like it's just sort of hasn't really worked. And I reckon it was probably 18 months after we started working together. He came in one day and he's like, I went for a swim on the weekend. I was like, oh, like, okay. Like I just, like to me, I was just like, cool. Like, do you, do you want like a pat on the back for that? He's like, no, 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 mate. He goes, I haven't been able to go for a swim in six years because it hurt my shoulder. Mm. So the fact of like, you know, and this is sort of where like I get a lot of enjoyment working with general population. Like as much as it's nice to coach someone to a 200 kilo squat for the first time and it's like, yeah, sweet, no worries. When someone comes in and they're like, I, I can like, I can go for a swim or like I can pick up my grandkids and I can have such improvement mm. in quality of life. Like that to me will always um always hold a lot more sort of value to me mm. which is needed yes <laughs> which is needed since a lot of us don't get up off our bums there's a lot of problems <laughs> yeah. uh, all right so where in the future so the next five years where do you see yourself that's a really good question um if you had asked me that 18 months ago, I would have 100% said opening up a gym. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was actually supposed to do last year. Um, I was on my way to sign a lease agreement the day we got declared a state of emergency here in Victoria. So dodged a that, massive bullet. Um, that gives me shivers. That actually gives me shivers because, like, even though we're just sort of laughing a little bit about it, it's actually very sad for our industry and a very tough time yeah um but in terms of next five years that's actually a really really good question like i have there's a few there's a few sort of like different avenues that i sort of have in mind one of them like i would still love to be able to open up a space um obviously just at the moment it's very much a waiting game for things to settle down to sort of justify that. Um, but probably the the area in which I'm leaning more towards is probably sort of towards the education route. Um, I 
I and would is that like educating co- like coaches in the industry, yeah. other PTs? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so like one of the big things I've noticed in the sort of the last few years since I have started running my own ones is like things like anatomy, which should be base level understanding for most coaches is so heavily just forgotten. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the amount of coaches I speak to, I'm like, cool. I'm like, who trains people how to, like, to train their lats? And, like, you know, everyone's hands are up. I'm like, cool. Who can tell me the, like, attachment points of the lat? Mm. Or even, like, point to where they attach? Mm-hmm. No one has any idea. You know, as much as, like, I'm all for, like, enjoying coaching and being like, yes, sweet. Like, I can teach someone how to do a, a lat bias row or whatever it is. It's like, well, you could still kind of need to understand, like, where you're pulling to and what you're doing to help like actually put tension across this muscle. Um, so like when I was sort of saying earlier that, you know, I'm sort of rewriting my level one course, which is turned into another course, which is turned into another course. One of the courses that I'm writing is purely an anatomy course mm-hmm. to actually go through like, cool, like, you know, here are the attachment points, here are the actions, here are the functions, here are the nerve innovations, all that sort of stuff. Because, you know, obviously there's a, there is a very fine line where our scope of practice ends. Mm. But if we have a better understanding of our anatomy and how our body works, and when clients come in, it's like, okay, cool, you're having this issue here. I actually don't need to send you to a physio. I need to actually send you to a chiro or an osteo or a podiatrist or something like that. You've got to go, this is where, like, you know, in my mind, like, I go, you know, these sort of things are presenting based on this, it sort of suggests it's X, Y, and Z. Now, obviously, you know, we're sort of talking about like GPs before. The hard thing is like if you send someone to a, a phys, like the amount of times that I've, you know, I've had clients like, oh, I've got a physio that I like to go and see. They go and send the physios like, oh, it's it's this. And I'm like, can I have your contact, like a contact number for your physio? And I'll call them. I'll be like, hey, look, you know, my name's Ben. Um, I work with such and such. They've come to see you and you've uh, sort of diagnosed them with this. Can you just sort of run me through? And I, it's very much like obviously – Physio is like, well, I've been to school for X amount of years. You're a personal trainer. I know more. So I'll very much try and frame it in a way like, can you explain to me so I can learn as to how you've come mm-hmm. to this diagnosis? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, you know, they've got this issue. I'm like, yep, okay. I'm like, but can you sort of like dive into that a little bit more for me so I have a better understanding? They're like, yeah, well, you know, they're saying that they've got this sore. So obviously this is so I'm like, okay, but um, just so I can understand better, I'm like, have you taken into consideration how this plays along with this and then this sort of interacts with this? And they're like, huh, how do you know that? And it's like, well, cause like I, I read anatomy textbooks. Like it's, you know, I've got thousands and thousands of hours of experience under a barbell. Like yeah, I, I kind of know how the body's going to respond to this sort of stimulus. Like the amount of times that, you know, people will come in, they'll squat and they're like, oh, my adductors are really sore. And someone's like, oh, well, you need to strengthen your adductors. It's like, oh, well, actually, you probably need to do more core work because your adductors act as a secondary pelvic stabilizer. Your mm-hmm. core is a primary pelvic stabilizer. 
And so we can almost relate this back to, let's even use the example of like weight loss and health. It's like, it's never always like one clear pathway or one clear answer. Everything always works together. There is always multiple ways that you can address things and it's individual for every single person. So the same with our pain, our movement patterns and the way we train can obviously be adapted. 100%. And the big thing that like I noticed is like my, my favorite thing is like, someone will come in and they'll be like, oh, I can't squat because my knees are, my knees are bad or like I can't, I can't deal it because I've got a mm. bad back. One of my all-time favorite ways to really highlight the fact that it's not actually that is like, say if someone comes in like, oh, you know, I'm having issues with my squat. Every time I squat, my knees hurt. I'm like, yep, no worries. I'm like, just take a seat down on that bench there for me. They sit down. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, just stand up again. And they stand up again. I'm like, oh, was there any pain in the knees? And they're like, no. Why? I'm like, well, because you just squatted. <laughs> and they're like they'll sit there and they'll scratch their head and they're like shit or if someone comes in and like oh look I, I can't I can't deal with it because it hurts my back I'll be like oh can you just pick up that like kettlebell over there and bring it over for me and they'll pick it up and they'll bring it over I'm like cool I'm like it's not it's not actually what you think it is um and that's usually where I'll bring it back to like you know this is where we sort of need to look at people's technique um or potentially it might just be like a load management issue for a lot of people. Um, you know, the, I know so many people that'll be like, oh, I've hurt my back deadlifting. And I'm like, oh, well, what did you do? And they're like, I just went too heavy too quickly. I'm like, so I'm like, you didn't actually hurt yourself. Like you've just, you've been impatient. Um, so like when, you know, whether it's people coming in for, you know, technique management or load management, like half the time when people experience pain, it's not just a, like in the sort of, as you were saying before, like it's not just a, this is the problem, that's the fix. It's, it could be a myriad of things. Can we just talk about load management here? Because I feel like this is a big problem because I do feel like people's egos do get in the way and they want to up the weights and then their technique just goes out the window. And then they do end up, like you're saying, hurting themselves. But what advice do you have there to be patient, to um, incrementally put the weights up uh, and also with recovery within that as well? So I like to work with the, the cliche saying of give them what they need and a little bit of what they want. So mm-hmm. let's, for example, say that we've got someone who comes in like, I want to, I want to build my squat up and they're squatting 40 kilos and it's like, okay, like that's going to be our weight. And like, oh, but this is really easy. It's like, yep, okay, that's fine. Like it's allowed to be easy. Um, we just need it. We need a weight that's light enough for you to handle where we can still have the technique um, sort of expression that we're after. What I'll then do is I'll then after that as like part of their accessory movements, especially if they're a gen pop client, it's like, okay, I'm now going to give you an accessory that allows me to train output. So obviously when we look at mm-hmm. movement, we've got like something that falls under the skill category, something that falls under the output yeah. category. So, for example, like say squat and leg press, um, or like for in, like for this example, a squat and a pendulum squat. So, mm-hmm. if for example someone comes in and they're doing the squat, I'm like, oh, like they've got a lot of technique work they need to do before I'm going to load them properly. I'm then going to chuck them on a, a pendulum squat afterwards, so they're still sort of ingrained in the understanding of the pattern. But I'm absolutely going to fucking thrash them on that. Yeah. Say thrash them is in like to make them feel like, okay, cool, I'm actually working here. Like I'm yeah. not going to have them walking out of the gym with grab dough afterwards to just, you know, to tick my ego and all that kind of crap. But like, So for the, 
gen pop clients there, the pendulum squat is supported through the lower back. Um, you're in a different position that's going to support you to be able to put a lot more load um, under tension and volume, whereas with I a would squat. Almost, I, I would say it's going to allow you to use less load, but it's going to allow you to work load. harder. Okay. Like, for example, like, and this is always the story I like to tell, is the first time I ever tried a pendulum squat was a jungle. And I remember mm-hmm. I was training with Brady and Brady was like, you know, my, my best here is like four plates in total. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. Like for a set of 12 with an honest man's pause. And I was like, oh, four plates, that's a 100 kilo squat. That's really cute. Like that's not hard at all. And I remember I got into that, you know, I got like four or five reps and I was like, yeah, this is fine. I did like my sixth rep and I was like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble here. Mm-hmm. And I like had to grind out my seventh rep. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like four plates on squat, I could probably do 25 or 30 reps. Pretty, you know, like my lungs would probably hate it, but you know. And and that's where we might be able to flip it to maybe like ego with home training is like body weight movements are still very challenging movements. If you do the right rep ranges, if you add you know, static holds, if you change tempos. So sometimes no weight at all can be a harder option. And I think that's where we really need to um, get clients proud of what their body can do, embracing all types of movement rather than just chasing moving load from A to B in the gym. Like, and that's probably been like one of my, like I'm pretty, do you guys know who Luke Gleeman is from Muscle Nerds? Yeah. So Luke and I, like we're, good friends and he um like he and i had a bit of a chat last year during lockdown i was like you know i'm I'm really struggling to like convey to my clients how important like some body weight work could be as like a a sort of a maintenance thing and he helped me put together like a bit of a body weight program for my clients like i was like oh i'll run it just to like see how it goes and my god i had more doms from that than i have from weight training the last five years yeah yeah you know like i think people think that a body weight program is just going to be push-ups sit-ups body weight squats and like well a body weight squat isn't going to be hard from it's like cool like let's maybe throw some cossack squats in there or like let's even throw some pistol squats in there like you know you ask a power lifter to do a single leg squat and they'll all fall over pretty much so mm-hmm. you know and then there's like so many push-up variations you can do there are you know you ask a, a powerlifter to do a set of 10 bodyweight pull-ups and there's not many of them that would be able to, um, you know, like mm. there are so many people in the sort of realm of like strength training that will get really strong at moving, you know, a, a barbell from point A to point B, but you ask them to have a bit of body awareness in terms of like, like for me to, if I've got a guy who can bench 120 kilos, like I sort of have an expectation they should be able to do 30 push-ups pretty comfortably the amount that can't even get to half of that is frankly, I, I find it a little bit fun. Um, mm. But yeah, like, so in terms of like utilizing. Can you explain why, can you explain why that is? Do you want my, uh, my PC yeah. answer or <laughs> yeah. do you want my honest answer? All the honest answers over here. Because <laughs> frankly, like, and this is obviously like a big generalization, but power are fucking lazy. <laughs> Like they, they will sit there and go, oh, five reps is cardio. 
Mm-hmm. Like obviously, like in the realm of that sport, like the the expression of that sport is a one rep max. So when you're like, hey, do a set of 20, 25, 30 rep work, they're just like, well, why? But I think there's a big, and this is obviously where where I try to teach in my my courses of like, you know, well, for a non-competition client, which frankly most of my clients are, um, you know hypertrophy is extremely important to being able to express more strength. Like the more muscle mass that someone has, the more potential they have to be a stronger person. Um, mm-hmm. you know, even if you look at some of the, the really high end powerlifters, you know, some have got like super heavyweights, for example, you look at them when they run their off season programming, like they do a lot of rep work. They do a lot of base building work so that when they do go back into competition, they've got a higher point to work from. And I think, especially when you get a lot of people who come in and they're still quite new to whether it be strength training, whether it be powerlifting, they sit there and they go, they're just so fixated on, I need to be able to squat more. I need to be able to bench more. I need to be able to deadlift more. That they forget that the, you know, the way in which we can get to more weight on a squat, bench or deadlift is potentially by doing something that may not seem like it actually has a direct correlation. Like most people like, well, I want to squat more. So I need to squat more. It's like, hang on, you might actually need to go off and do like some single leg work to build some better proprioception, some better balance and better output through single limb exercises. Um, and they're like, oh, but how is that going to make me squat more? It's like, well, if you can't, again, this is a saying that uh, I don't know if you guys know who Dr. Jordan Shallow is. He's the muscle doc on Instagram. Like I've done quite a bit of work with Jordan over the last few years, but he has like a saying that he talked about all the time. Where it's like, you know, if you can't, like stand on one leg you don't deserve to score on two yeah. and i i think stuff like that's really important like you know if people can't do a static lunge without falling over like why the hell would i load them with a heavy barbell on their back mm. mm-hmm. so correct <laughs> what's that sorry correct <laughs> yeah. so i mean like yeah. i get a lot of people that you know will sit there and go well why would i do a body weight program like that what, what benefit is that going to bring to me? It's like, well, you'd be surprised. Like there are push-up variations that I can get people to do that will absolutely ruin them. And, you know, I know guys that can bang out a set of 20 push-ups that you give them this variation of push-ups and they're like, I get three. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's even like the other day, Dan popped up, her doing some, what are they called? Oh, lizard crawls. <laughs> and it's like that is really challenging to hold your body like that and it's like how can we embrace moving in all different forms the all different ways movement yeah yeah and it's so good for the brain as well but holy moly my chest the next day I was like yep feels like I've done about 50 kilo bench press and that's like heavy for me guys and I'm like ah but it was so much fun and it's also I think using movement to challenge your brain as well, not just to hit a specific number with a goal. It's to try and stimulate your brain in different ways that is actually challenging. It's one of those things, like I feel like a lot of people want a really specific focus on their training without a specific outcome. They're like, you know, I want to train like a powerlifter, I want to train like a bodybuilder, but they're not actually going to do the bodybuilding show or the powerlifting show, which is usually the outcome of that style of training. So when you get like your gem pop clients, it's like, you know, like, like 
by all means, like put some animal flow in there, like go do some yoga, you know, do some running, do some jumping, like have a bit of flexibility with the approach if the outcome is a flexible approach. Mm. And that's really getting to know the client as well, really getting to know, you know, what their lifestyle is about, their personality, what their goals are for the rest of their life, because it's going to be different for everyone. And then you go from there. It's not just necessarily going, stepping in the gym and being like, this is for you and that's it. (laughs) It's really getting to know them individually, I think. Everyone's so different. 100%. Um, ben, I know you're very passionate about um, kind of like training and movement for mental health and to help support people in the rest of their life. Can you dive into maybe like how training has helped you through some difficult times? So, I mean, like perfect example is if we look at the last 16 months or so, like obviously, mm. you know, there's been a lot of people who have had um, some fairly challenging times um, and they haven't had the, the outlet in which they, they usually would have like say going to the gym, um, in terms of like, it's, it's a weird one. Like the biggest thing I sort of came to an understanding of last year is it's, you know, it, it's not necessarily just the act of going to the gym and lifting the weights. It's people going like, and this is where. I sort of wrote something last year about like the gym being so much more than just four walls and weights. Like people go there for mm. a sense of community. They go there for a sense of belonging. Like they, they go there to have their needs met. It's not just going there, lifting some weights, but like, Oh, I'm better. It's, mm. it's a myriad of things that sort of happen as a result of going there. Like, you know, I mean, when we trained, um, you know, the week before lockdowns hit, there was, there was you, there was me, there was Han, there was Jack, Brady, a bunch of other people who were all in there. Like, oh, yes, we're all off doing our, our own thing or training clients or whatever it is, but there's there's community, there's camaraderie, there's mm. support there. Um, I think in terms of, like, how I'd like to use strength training for a lot, like, I have a lot of clients that come in um, and, like, obviously having a fairly natural ability to sort of pick up on people's sort of energy and their emotional state I have some people that are walking to the gym and I can tell from the other side of the gym, I'll be like, something's wrong with that person today. Mm. And I'll walk over and I'll be like, are you okay? And they're like, yeah, I'm fine. But what are you, what are you talking about? I'm like, I just have intuition that, you know, that something is a bit off today. I just want to make sure you're okay. And they're like, oh, like, no, I'm, I'm fine. And they get really defensive. I'm like, okay, the fact that they're getting defensive is really indicative that something isn't okay. So then the way in which I'd like to use strength training as a as a tool to help support that slash combat it is, you know, I might get people in that are like, again, I'll use Hannah as an example from when we trained together. She'd never squatted that much before. Mm. But all of a sudden, I mean, I, I think you even hit a PB belt, but, you know, you sort of get people in and it's like, cool, I can teach someone how to sort of move through a range of motion with weights that they've never done before. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh shit, I've just done something that I never thought I would be able to. So that that little bit of self-confidence that they get from it then carries over into other aspects of life. You know, they sit there and they're like, well, I never thought I'd be able to ask my boss for a raise, but you know, well, I mean shit, I did that. Like, why can't I do this? So then 
they might sit there and be like, oh, well, I'm going to draft an email and, and request a pay rise and all of a sudden they get the pay rise. I'm like, like it's, it's one of those it's things. It's like that, cultivating that resilience and that kind of self-worth yeah. from within. Yeah. So something as simple as like teaching someone how to lift a weight that they've never lifted before with a barbell has, it has huge carryover to so many other facets of life that I think people just sort of don't appreciate as much as, as they should. Mm. You do get a massive high after you learn something like that. And then yeah. you improve and you can see clients. They'll be like, Whoa! And you're like that energy is what you want in your life. Like if you can channel that into other aspects of your life, then again, you're going to get ahead. Whereas if you stay in a depleted energy realm, I mean, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. It's just, it's just one tool. It's another tool that you can change your state and channel it elsewhere. It's really funny that like, you know, with the clients that I work with, you know, like I, I've got a client of mine, she, She's been having a really hard go during uh, lockdown. And I think it was the first week of lockdown. You know, it was when we had some really, really lovely weather. And she's like, you know, she showed me a photo. She's like, oh, no, I've mowed my back lawn. It feels, you know, really good to have done that. I was like, amazing. I'm like, have you ever done grounding work? And she's like, what, what's that? And I was like, what do I want you to do? I'm like, take your shoes and socks off, go stand in the backyard on the freshly mowed grass, bare feet, sun's out. Like, just close your eyes and just stand there for like, two minutes and she did it and she was just like holy shit like that was unbelievable like I can't believe how good that felt um and like so when I get you know I get people who come in and I sort of I'll teach them a skill where it's like cool we can do this and it has a massive impact here and then it's like cool I'm going to teach you another skill which would then have another massive impact and then like I get some people that you sit there and I'm like, oh, like, have you ever tried meditation? Like, no, no, that, that, that shit doesn't work for me. I just, it just annoys me. And I'm like, ooh, I'm like, I'm going to have a little fun with this one because I can tell the <laughs> fact that them sitting there in their own thoughts scares the absolute shit out of them. That's like 95% of people. <laughs> <laughs> but this is where, like, you know, when we sort of, like, when you're sort of asking, like, how, like, you know, strength training and mental health have a, have a real relationship, mm. like, you know, if you go into a lift thinking that you're going to fail, absolutely you're going to fail. If you go into a lift going, oh, I've got this, you've got a much better chance of succeeding. So if someone, you know, goes to do some meditation and their belief behind it is, oh, well, this won't work for me. It's just a waste of time. Of course, it's going to be a waste of time. It's the whole thing of like whether you think you can or you can't do right. Hmm. And you can also see some of... Um the people in the powerlifting industry, they will have people around them absolutely cheering them on. Like yeah. they are <laughs> like the athletes are the athletes and like they're about to kick a goal for the winning team kind of thing. And like that, that hype and what you can do under that kind of community, and I suppose a coach can be like that as well, is going to push you to be better and better. I mean, have you seen videos of like the high school football teams over in the US when they're in their gym rooms? Oh, I listen to that stuff on the. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what will. But you've literally got like 30 or 40 people standing around this one kid in a squat rack 
you know, like also over in the US, like they've got some freakishly strong high schoolers, but there'll be like a kid going to squat like 220 kilos at 15 years old. And all of his friends are like this far away from just like screaming at him. And he does it. <laughs> but yeah. like you put that kid in an empty gym on his own, would he still be able to do it? Like, I don't know. You know, and this is where like sort of as we're talking about like community being a big thing, you know, the gym being more than just the four walls. Like I know like there are days when like I've been like prepping for a powerlifting comp and all the guys that I'm competing with at that comp for my gym, like we'll all be doing our, our squat session together, for example. And the amount of camaraderie and support that there is during that, it's like, you know, you could put whatever you want on the bar. And I know like I may not feel strong enough to be able to squat it, but I know with all of these guys standing around me supporting me, like mm. that is just going to help pick everybody up. Mm. And then I think it's important to talk about as well that like if you start there and you've got a whole team around you, you're going to build a skill set to then be able to find that motivation on your own as well. Yeah. Because I think that is an important skill to develop as well is being able to go to the gym or push yourself in exercise by yourself yeah, and find grit there. So it, I think it's like a little seesaw, if that makes sense. Like, I, I agree entirely with what you say. Like, I literally know some people who go, oh, like if I don't have a coach or if I don't have a training partner, I just want to go to the gym. And it's like, you know, like a, not that I, it's not that I have like an issue with it, but I have an issue with it because I sit there. I'm like, well, what sort of like, what discipline do you have? Yeah, like, and know, that that's what I mean by you can start with a coach. You can start with people having your back and cheering you on, but you've got to cheer yourself on as well and yes. be able to do that when you need and, it the most and celebrate those small wins and then keep setting new goals and then gather people when you need them. Yeah. 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 Mm. Because big one. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> just do that for a minute. Well, I mean, we, well, I wake up alone. I was going to say, not everyone wakes up alone. <laughs> I was going to say, we die alone. <laughs> we die alone. <laughs> We've got to be able to train alone as well. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Really morbid turn. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the <laughs> little flip around there. But no, like I do find it a huge problem. I mean, a lot of clients can't train by themselves. We've got to be able to flip that mindset because if you can do that by yourself, you can do anything, anything. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, like one of the things that I try and like, you know, I get a lot of people when they come and see me, like I just need support. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, but Mike, what do you mean by support? Mm. And like, I want someone to like, you know, to to cheer for me. I'm like, I can cheer for you without, making a bunch of noise like and this is where i'll tell people like when they start with me i'm like look i'm like i'm not going to be your cheerleader i'm not going to be standing behind you screaming and yelling and making the scene like i'm literally i will sit there nice and quietly like if you're going for a heavy squat like and i'm spotting you i will sit there and i'll talk quieter than what i am now in the back of your ear so you can hear what i'm saying but it doesn't make a big scene yeah like I'll sit there, I'll like I'll, you know, it might be a few cues of like pulling in, take a nice big breath in, brace into your belt, control down. That's it. Yes. 
doesn't like, and this is where like, you know, I'll try and tell people is I'm like, I, I want to build you up to a point where like you don't need me. Like my objective is to make myself obsolete. Yeah. I um, listen, you know, David Goggins, I hope I'm saying his name yes. um, correct. <laughs> well, he said something that made me just like nearly spit my water out the other day. I was like, you little cheater, Danielle. Because like he says like, you know, when you're running with music, you're cheating. And I'm like, I'm someone that like needs music to train. Like yeah. uh, the voice inside my head is just a nutcase. And <laughs> I just need to like zone out and it's like motivating for me. And he's like, they're just being like, you're cheating. And I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna have to try and train without music and stimulus and, and just have like your your brain, your mental strength to push you through a training session rather than any other stimulus on the outside in this external world. Like, and it just made me really think, I'm like, hmm, you could do better. You could I honestly reckon some of my best training sessions have been done in either complete silence or with like classical music on classical oh there's someone in jungle gym that used to put george put classical music on <laughs> i walked in a couple of times and he has this classical music playing honestly like That's sometimes funny. it can be the most like obviously in powerlifting and like when you go to lift a heavy weight like you have to ramp yourself up so much but sometimes if you're like well, i'm just doing accessory work now put on something like classical or just silence just to help sort of bring yourself back down to to earth and just sort of you know, like, okay, like, I, I don't need music to, like, G me up for, you know, dumbbell presses. Mm. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what a good chat. I hope that helps a lot of people in terms of, like, what strength training is and what you can do. And then is there anything else that you want to add, Ben? When's your next course? How do people know. find you? Uh, <laughs> easiest way to find me is on Instagram. Um, it's just at Ben Mac, so at B-E-N-M-A-C-H. Um, and for those wondering, no, my last name is not Mac. It is Marker. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's why everyone always just assumes because my Instagram handle is Ben Mac, but they just assume my last name is Mac. <laughs> um, but in terms of where my next course will be, um hard to say because i don't even know when gyms will be open um but mm. i'm hoping that within a month so hopefully sometime in july nice okay. cool awesome. thanks for coming on thank you for having me <laughs> all right everyone have a beautiful day keep be strong good. healthy moving and eat food <laughs> coffee. and coffee <laughs> all right